Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 175. It's also just uh, in between episodes since last week. It's been four years since I started the podcast. So my thanks to all involved, to every past uh, guest, everyone that suggested a topic, put me in touch with someone, to everyone that's helped with the podcast in any way, including sharing it, listening to it, recommending it, criticising it. Um, I didn't expect for it to be going for four years. I've got enough material for it to go for another four weeks. After that, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll carry on. I was thrilled to talk to Matt Hyde, the lead singer of Beast Wars. Uh, I think I first pitched the idea to him a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, and then he was okay about doing it. And then he had a, a very uh, catastrophic life event. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer. The band had broken up. They'd done a farewell tour. Uh, and then he responded well to the treatment and the band got back together and decided to record some new songs. So I got back in touch with him and uh, and he was only too happy to come around and talk. He's been doing quite a few interviews, uh, talking about his cancer. He has um, been given a second shot at life, basically. He's not, he's not out of the woods forever, um, but he has a longer life than he thought he might have. He goes into depth talking about this in this interview and, and he's probably already shared that in a few other interviews because they've got an album to sell, a tour to promote, um, and he it's on his mind. We didn't just talk about that though, we talked about his early life and career and how he was a journeyman singer who had was pretty much ready to give it up, um, actually give it up for the second time when Beast Wars came calling and uh, an instrumental trio turned into a ferocious four-piece hard rock band with, with Matt out the front. Uh, writing the lyrics, singing the vocals, and um, and owning the stage, and uh, so we talked about all of that and the three albums that Beast Wars recorded before this new one. New one's out um, round about the time you hear this podcast. It's called Four. I do believe it is their best album. I do tell Matt that during the podcast. And um, yeah, he got really, really deep and um, I really enjoy, I mean, I don't know him very well, but we have uh, met a few times over the years. I really enjoyed getting to know him during this conversation and I hope you enjoy hearing this. Uh, my thanks to Tea Leaf Tea, Yeasty Boys and La Petit Chocolat and my thanks to Matt Hyde and Beast Wars. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I want to obviously talk about the band and everything that's gone on, but get a bit of a sense of, of who you are and, and, and where you arrived from. So um, tell me about, I guess, where you grew up and, and what a, you know when did you first connect with music? Um, as a child, we moved around a lot. We lived in Gisborne, we lived in Hamilton. I was born in Auckland. Um, we made it to the Hutt Valley in the mid-70s. Um, because my mother came from here. And then around, I think, 77 or 78, we moved to Stokes Valley, where I was. Um, and I suppose back then, I just remember like, you know, very cold winters, but hot summers and BMX riding and mm-hmm. um, up in the bush. But in the 80s, um, I met a guy called Mark McGann at school, and he, we thought he was so ahead of his time, but really, he just had a, um, he paid for the enemy every week. Mm. So he read before, he'd tell us what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. we just thought, man, he's like a magician. Yeah, yeah, the oracle. Yeah, but <laughs> I find that later he was reading enemy every week. Um, 
which was what three months behind in yeah. those days. So he yeah. really was like, God, how do you do it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I we he wanted to form a band, and I didn't do any instruments. He said, Well, you can be the singer, and I'll be the bass player, and that's what we had at that stage. And then we went to a party. I think it was the night ending of School C, and we met um, Jeff and Jeff. And um, Jeff Belt was a guitar player, and Jeff um, Hobbs was on drums. And then we formed the Microwave Babies. That was the f first lineup. Then Jeff Hobbs left, and um, Andrew Goodchild jumped on board. And we had a pretty exciting adventure there for a while. Mm. We played, um, we supported Flash Device. We played the Railway Halls when there was the era of um, skinheads taking over the place. Um, Ultraviolence, punk rock, violence on the streets. Um, then there was the, the political awakening from the people mm. of the crass mm. um, conflict um, I mean you see these people today the crust punks but I suppose that's what it was back then mm -hmm. um, but yeah so that was the exposure to music for me and when that ended um, I didn't do anything for many years until I, mean, I moved to Australia lived there for two years when I was 18 and then I moved to London, and I was actually, I was at Reading, 91, and Nirvana were playing, where I was running through, to get, Nirvana weren't big yet, but they mm, were mm. playing after 2 o'clock, and running through to get to the show, and I saw Steve Watson, he said, hey, I need a singer, and I said, okay, cool, I'll, yeah, I'll do it, but I'll go and see this. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll go and see this band that's about to be yeah, worldwide and, massive. <laughs> and um, I just saw their last song, because yeah. they had a talk, um, but, but because I lived in England, I got to see Nirvana at... Um, the Astoria. Mm. I saw the Reading '92 show. That famous one. Yeah, that's one. that's the famous one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was. Yeah. So, but, but the era was incredible because I saw all those grunge bands, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, in small venues like same size as um, San mm. Fran. Mm. And then used to go and watch the Verve. The Verve were incredible back then. It was, they were just amazing, kind of like psychedelic, mm. like Pink Floyd. He'd come out with those shoes on, and he really was levitating everyone it was pretty special times what was sustaining you what were you doing for I would do anything I, yeah. I worked in kitchens all my life yeah. Yeah. washing dishes cocking yeah. I, uh, in England I worked in a gym I worked in a record store I worked in H&B in Oxford Street for a bit Steve Watson actually got in that job yeah. um, I was squatting it was yeah. it was a life not of thinking of the future yeah um, but in a way I was at a university of music. I was at a, um, I was studying and watching everything around me. Mm. Um, You're in a privileged um, space. Yeah, it was just like yeah. geographically. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. just existing existence yeah. was enough. I mean, mm. the life of a squatter was pretty exciting. You know, would I met all these people from all around the world? It was a it was a a world within a world. I mean, also at the same time, you had um, the rave culture was happening. You had mm. all the um, illegal dance parties, and it was, yeah, it was just that really um, quite an exciting time. I think it all started changing around '95. I, I came back at '96 or '95. Oh, um, but even like after the Criminal Justice Bill was passed in '95, was '94, and I was there when sort of the. the Cavalry, the horses mm. went on to Hyde Park and um, had a cavalry charge, which that was insane. Um, yeah, the modern world really started catching up. Maybe mm. that was really the end of the seventies. That was the last sort of yeah, I know um, what you mean. the last sort of scream. Um, 
Yeah, because in the late 80s, early 90s, there was that whole throwback to 60s. Yeah. You know, the second were, summer of love and, yeah. and, and the shoegaze stuff. Acid and, houses. And, all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And just, and the, and the fashions yeah. and, and everything. And it was like this great... It was, yeah, maybe extended. it was the last burst of freedom before yeah. the corporate machine crushed us. Mm. Or mm. continues to crush us. Mm. But, um, and Britpop was deemed the reaction to that, but it was, yeah. actu- but it was actually um, assisted by that corporate yeah, machine. Yeah, how, how, how it sort of got new labour into power, yeah. and then we had the war in Iraq, and no, yeah, it was definitely that, well, do, was it a, a thing of innocence, or was I just young I can't, mm, I can't mm. work that out and also in the whole um, cl- um, um, sort of cloud of HIV and AIDS yeah yeah. so here's your free sex but it could kill you mm. so it was like mm. um, a crazy well, time yeah well you, you're painting a picture of um, doing all sorts of different jobs a lot of hospital jobs uh, moving around squatting how, how much were you not looking after yourself how much fun were you having I was very I was quite Thinking back now, yeah, I was very skinny. I, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there was times of starving, but there was times of this high art. Mm. It was, um, I can't describe it. It was like being in some sort of Irish novel about alcoholics in Dublin, <laughs> yeah, but you're in yeah. London, yeah. and um, everything was, um, I was constantly observing, being a part of, watching, listening, it was, you know, so many years later I look back at that time and go, wow, that was the most freest I was ever in my life, even though I was hungry, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, maybe it's something you can only do when you're young. I know a lot of people I met in England were older than me, they sort of got careers and then they went to Europe. Mm. I didn't have any of that, I just left and went. Mm. It was honestly, let's see what happens. I mean, the day I arrived, you know. And is that, I mean, I know... Particularly then, it was a there was a big OE focus. Go out from New Zealand and do that. But as you know, what you just said was that the reason for it. Go and see what happens. Was that the reason for, for me? It was yeah, yeah. And I think of a lot of people. I mean, it was. Yeah. T- there seemed to be two types of people. People who were who who had great careers as they left, mm. went on to greater things. Or there was people who just turned up, see what happened. Mm. Um, that was still in the day when my brother, my brother, he drove from Pakistan to London. You could still do that mm. in the early nineties. Wow. Um, you know, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I just think it was the last burst. Why? Why did you come back? Um, I think living. I was. I was You've I th- done your time. Actually, I'm thinking of Suede and Dogman Star. I think mm. that album. Um, I was in the council estate, looking out South London. Just it was winter. There's no leaves. The foxes in the garden, and you're coming down. And there was something about trees. Like I wanted to see green trees, not dead trees. I thought I was yeah. dead. At this, yeah. You know, like a yeah. dead tree or something. Um, I came home and, I've, and I regretted it for many, many, many years because I felt I missed out so much. Right. Um, and I doubted myself. Why did I do it? For years. Um, but like a lot of things in my life, um, it didn't make sense or, or it didn't actually appear to later on, oh, that is why. Yeah. If yeah. I hadn't come home, I wouldn't have Nina, my daughter. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have gone also gone through all the, um, the failings of trying to do music here for years, watching things explode, never being a part of it. Yeah. And then right at the end, when I didn't want it, it happened. So what's that all about? <laughs> well, what is that all about? So you, you know, you, 
take me through. I mean, I knew a couple of people in Beast Wars um, before the band happened, but just it seemed like out of nowhere there was talk of this band. And then I remember seeing you guys play for the first time and going, holy shit, that is such a fully formed sound. These guys have not only worked on this as a group, but they've all got, and I come to find out, of course, you've all got your own story, like any band. You've got your own stories you bring to it and your own, um, you know... version of doing the 10,000 hours you've yeah. all gone and done that yeah I mean I think that's what, what it was the 10,000 hours for me I had done yeah. it yeah and well no one had been aware I've been doing it yeah so yeah. I mean but well what kept driving you to oh, do it oh there was moments I mean yeah. Peter Ken who used to manage Bauhaus signed yeah. a band in England yeah. in Grenade. he told me I was a cross between Ozzy Osbourne and um, Peter yeah um, what's his name Peter from I'm oh, not Peter um, I'm trying to think of the singer from Bauhaus oh yeah yeah I should know I've uh, um, Come I know, to me. Yeah, same. I'm um, terrible with mind blanks. He played here, not that. Um, but yeah, he was, and there was interesting. There's things of encouragement. Mm. Um, sometimes he was just, um, you might get a song on BFM, and that was enough to keep you going. I don't know, just yeah. keep me going. Yeah. Um, it's weird to think back now. I really felt like I hadn't, I hadn't been worth it until Beast Wars, and when Beast Wars made sense to people, then it all made sense. Yeah. Before then, it was a constant feeling of this is, I've really gone I'm down a crazy road here. Yeah. Choosing, yeah. This, choosing this in a life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how did Beast Wars come about? Like, um, I think they were already an instrumental three piece. Looking for a singer. I, I don't know, because I, I saw them perform once. They did one show like that. Um, and then I went and jammed them later on. Um, I didn't know they were a project. But um, I knew I was bringing something that they mostly would be very difficult to find. Mm. So um, it worked. Um, and then we spent maybe four years rehearsing, which... Yeah, shows. Yeah. Showed. Yeah. You know, we, like, went, yeah. we didn't go out until it was right. Well, this is the thing I've, I guess I've always found very interesting about the band is that when I first heard the band and when the first record came out and ever since then everything about the sound has felt natural, organic but um, Beast Wars to me is is very much a constructed band like Nato um, reinvented himself musically I'll tell you, he's a very driven individual and he, I mean he's told me this but You know, I, I knew him as a bass player and he and he reinvented himself as a drummer and had in mind what he wanted to do, very much so, like mapping out, I think. Stuff. Oh, that's incredible. I yeah. really, I, it's from the castle, but I do call him the ideas man. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he does this, we're going to do this. And, yeah. And, you know, you can, fight, you can fight it, and I have. Yeah. But, you know, generally, 9 out of 10, great ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, deep thinker. Um looks at it from every angle but aren't you all like oh, yeah, I think, yeah, aren't, aren't I, all four members <laughs> I, well we are yeah, yeah. and he's been argue, that's why the arguments come from because everyone's got this like opinion about the strongest strong opinion, yeah about what to do um but um no but you have to respect and you know pay your due or give you due. Well, I'm trying to give a compliment to, to um to Nathan um mm. he's well he's yeah he's Bloody driven, and he has mm. great ideas, and um, 
yeah it's almost like he's a visionary what he wants mm-hmm. to do um, but he needs us to help him do it he can't yeah. do it by himself yeah 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 and also like you know it should be taken as a given I think but one another thing I've always liked about your band is I know that all four of you this will sound really prosaic but I know all four of you love music and and a diverse mm. you know set of music and I and I sometimes think when I watch bands play you're not listening to enough music you know and I know you guys are and have oh, I think it, it, for all of us all four of us mm. it's touched us mm. and maybe it's been a, a crutch in bad times something we used to celebrate with mm. um, something we used to communicate I mean music can communicate to me ideas that um on something like like science and science or mysteries within mysteries, um, it's like a secret code. Mm. Um, I don't know. I I love music. Sometimes I think it's a curse to have been given mm-hmm. that that love because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's led me into some pretty crazy times. Um, just weird. Mm. Um, and why do some people get it or love it and some people don't? Is it just the way our brains are? You know, is it... I, I, yeah, there's bigger things. Um, well, we're shaping our um, brains the whole time, aren't we? Yeah. We're actually rewiring ourselves or something. So our brain chemistry is, is adapting to the things we filter into it. And also the joy, obviously, maybe we get from our, our brain remembers that. And so we'll go back to that. Mm-hmm. We'll go back to that. So if we have a, you know, and I'm putting myself in this because I have my version of this, obviously, yeah. of being, you know, you can call it... a I guess, without wanting to um, trivialise the term, but you can call it an addiction. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so it, it takes on these qualities, and and when you're feeding something on that level with that intensity into yourself, you are rewiring yourself with a you know with a prime purpose that other things go out the window. Because I mean, I buy music when I feel when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling happy. Mm which is the two normal times you buy an addiction. Mm. So, yeah, I yes. totally agree with yeah. that. Um, yeah. It's... And it's, it's also that those are the two main things songs are about, totally. ultimately, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> One way or another. I mean, I, yeah, I just so enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a weird... But then I start seeing it, my daughter, her enjoyment of music and completely stuff I know nothing about, and it's kind of really cool. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about seeing Nirvana and things like that being in England during grunge, you would have grown up with and known the, you know, some of the the bands they were influenced oh, by. You would have found that the, the sort of they maybe may have never said that Led Zeppelin was um, was influenced, but I, as a child, I remember Led Zeppelin walked the earth when I was a kid. Mm. They were a living thing. Mm. So I remember finding. Um, if you want to talk about, uh, obviously I think Black Sabbath was a bigger influence on them, but I just remember Led Zeppelin, my dad was a car salesman, and he, on the side he used to sell other type of cars, and he was selling a big Falcon, and inside that Falcon um, was these tapes, and they had Led Zeppelin 1, Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin, and I just thought, what, what is this magic? Mm. This is the devil's stuff. Mm. You know, it just felt mm. so like, ah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, those people walked the earth, They were the, the monsters were real. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, as I said, now, yeah, thinking back now, at the time I thought this revolution was to go on and on, but no, it wasn't. It was just that was the end of it. That was yeah. they were the yeah. the last. 
um, hurrah, um, until wherever we went, by the end of the 90s, we're sort of listening to what, um, mall punk or something, I don't know what you could call it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think they still had really great writers in the NME then writing big pieces about why this meant something to culture and um, and also it's a growing up in this, you know, the, the, the writers of the NME in the 70s write huge pieces about Joy Division, mm, like, you know, mm. like pieces about Joy mm. Division. That we see in the era of that was still that, you know, intellectual love of music. Yeah. Do we still have that? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. sometimes I don't see it in the, in the writing anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back then, it was a it was a big cultural part of being a human being. Um, maybe technology mm. took that away from us. I don't know. Everything's yeah. changed. I think so. It's, uh, you can feel like a bit of a um, a nostalgic dinosaur or something waxing about that in front of the wrong people, can't you? As well, well, yeah, I mean, like, because because totally. we we've obviously like we're a similar age. You're a bit older than me, but we've um, we've obviously had to adapt to the internet and, and do so fine now. Even, even yeah. talking about adapting to the internet is such an archaic. But we remember... Different time. A different time yeah. where, as you say, like... I mean, Paul Morley not only wrote about Joy Division through the NME, he wrote about it so much, he went off and wrote a, a book about how much he wrote about Joy Division, yeah. and it's a really good book, yeah. Uh, but that, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was just a huge cultural thing. Yeah. Um, I think because I think my daughter's about turned 13... And that whole her explosion of music's mm, happening. Mm. So I have reflected recently about what it felt like to be that age. Mm. Um, you know, and just when I first got my first Susie in the Banshees album, or um, you know, when my uncle let, 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 you know lent me Unknown Pleasures, mm. and, that, and obviously like sort of thinking about some of the artists she, she likes. What is that? Is it Billy? Okay, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you mean? Um, Billy something. Billy um, Eilish is Billy, it? Oh yeah, and yeah. it's like well, I haven't heard, but oh, I've heard everyone talking about. But yeah. that's like this her darkness. Yeah, um, it's very strange. So I have thought about it, and I, yeah, maybe it's just when you start. To, well, I'm nearly fifty, but you start to like think back and go, wow. Um, just think about the days. Um, I mean, I enjoy every day now. It's great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just yeah, music is a time machine. It can take me back. And sometimes when I hear a new album, it takes me to the future. Um, mm. I was listening to Chelsea Wolfe this morning in the car. Um, was it Love is Beauty or Beauty is... Um, well, Feral Love's the, the first song on that. But um, it's just like, my God, this album came out in 2013. It's incredible, but I bet they'll be listening to it in 20 years' time. This will be the cure in 20 years' mm. time. Mm. Um, it's just um, Hate is Beauty. Sorry, I'm just confused. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah. No, it's, it's just interesting. I'm thinking a lot about music. I think it's because my daughter's getting to an mm, age where mm. it will, could impact who she is as a human being. Mm, mm, mm. Also, you're about to put something new into the world, so that might, oh, yeah. musically, so on some level, that might... Yeah, I, I forget some... It's, because you have to go for the whole process of releasing yeah. a record, and as yeah. every record we've done, it's become busier and busier. Yeah. Um, I've done more interviews for this album than anyone before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's we're in a very privileged position of releasing to an audience. Yeah. Something I will always just be so thankful. 
for. Well, you've been in that position since you. I, I feel like your your band in this day and age is really something of an anomaly because you've been in that position since your second album, really, of releasing to an audience. But it's just such a privilege. It's yeah, a, and it's amazing. I mean, yeah. well, my my. I mean, you can talk me through this, but my understanding is, you know, like the second and third albums, and now the fourth is about to come out. But the second and third albums have been greeted as if your ninth and tenth out you know like you've got that longevity with people it's only three albums but it's like people have been following you for close to ten years I think because going back to Nathan mm. or actually really nothing really gets put on the record unless it's it's meant to be every song's meant to be great yeah I was gonna you've, rele- you've kind of released three greatest hits albums yeah, and you're and about to release the fourth greatest hits album because time is precious and we're old mm. that 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 was always for, and we, we knew we couldn't travel. Mm. Like, mm. well, like, I remember Nina, James had just had um, Sam. Caitlin wasn't born yet, but I, I just become Nina. Just yeah. So it was like, oh well, we can't really travel. Well, we can go to Australia, but like going to Europe for three weeks, oh, I don't know. Mm. How do you pay the mortgage? All these questions come up. Mm. Um, so we, from an early, it was like, okay, so we can communicate from music. We can touch the other side of the planet, so every song has to be important. And that was, I think, that, that went into it, that whole mindset mm. of, like, if we can't get there, we'll communicate for the record. So you said the band does several years of rehearsing, getting it right, getting it as right as you can. Um, when, within that, do you feel we've really got something here? Is there an instant spark when you first get together? I mean, there usually is some version of that, but, you know, when do you go, shit, we've got something? I, I honestly don't think it even really clicked in until we played live. Yeah. It was something we did on Mondays or Monday nights. Um, I'm trying to think of the art centre at the top of end of um, Cuba Street, but we yeah. there. Um, yeah, it was... I think it was when we were playing with um, Emerald City. Mm. And... Um, Sorry, my memory's fucked. That's all right. They were uh, a great. They were a great band. Um, I'm just trying to think. That um, someone said to us, "You guys don't realise that this is really, this is good." Mm. And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then I, we, and it just started changing again, and more people started coming to the show. And then you just had to realise something was happening. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you started doing these shows with like I remember thinking like the three or four bands on the bill, and it's like you know all of these bands are good and you know but it was just levels like and it was so this whole kind of scene in Wellington of I guess for want of a word hard rock to you know metal slash hard rock there was definitely a scene 10 years ago yeah Um, and the bands that were kind of spawned from Razorwire were getting 400 people on a Wednesday night yeah I mean does anyone get 400 people Wednesday night I don't know I mean this is maybe a rap artist that I don't know about yeah, this, yeah, but yeah. Um, no, it was really popular. I, I mean, they had a flat called the Heavy Metal Party House. Yeah. Um, and they're like, they're Stalker, and, you know, their records are put out in Germany. I mean, it's, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris? I even think, like, the, the kind of um, second wave of Head Like a Hole's Career kind of fed into that. Their timing ended up being good, and when they because did their there, first yeah, it was reunion, an explosion and rock that's feet, right. And rock so feet. they had people they could 
yeah. open for people that could open for them. You know, they yeah. had and they could fit back into a. And also, all those stoner rock bands were coming in from the states. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it was just that there for a couple of years. It was all. You could do your own shows, and then you could jump on a bill of an American band, and you could mm. you could grow your audience because you were always playing to new people. Mm. Um, I think we did a show with Helmet, and at the stage I thought, oh, I think we might, you know, have we played to everyone we could play to? And we did a show with Helmet, and that whole audience seemed to have never, seen, you know, it was a whole other new audience to play to. Um, they were just um, quite exciting times. Um, we used to get offered a lot of shows. Um, and it was yeah, it was cool. It, yeah, it's not as busy as that anymore. But thank God, mm, mm. things. Cha- I mean, things just change. Mm. Yeah, I remember seeing you guys open for uh, Kaya, some version. It was at Kaya. Yeah, Stutters. that was a great night. Yeah, and it's like watching things like that and going, "This is a double bill. Yeah. This isn't just a local band opening for." an international band and and the feeling through the venue was that you know it was like like-minded music fans going we get to see two of our favorite bands in one night yeah incredible um evening um just yeah one of my favorite nights actually Mm. remember being very nervous before that show and very happy at at the end of it yeah you know and then also we got uh, when you got to see Kais Lives at the end of feeling good I was like wow how did we get yeah yeah um, I remember catching the, the taxi with Maddie, my partner at the time, out to the hut afterwards, and just being like, "Wow, this is the what did I, <laughs> How did this happen?" You know? Yeah, life yeah. was starting to make sense at that stage. Like all these years out in the out in the wilderness, and then suddenly it was all making sense. It was yeah. kind of an exciting time for me. Yeah, um, and you follow that blueprint in a way. Again, it's it's clinical without being cynical. I yeah. think you follow that blueprint. Across the three albums, really, you release a monster album full of essentially hits, like uh, for your audience, um, no no filler, and big big shows and big level opening acts. You know, uh, you are doing big opening spots around that, taking the show overseas yeah, where you can. It's, it's big build up for each album. I think, and yeah, it's just something we do. Mm. Um, it's just, yeah, because we, we don't go out there much anymore, life-wise. But, yeah, thinking back, everything was, I don't know, it was always like, I, was, I always felt like we were just letting a bit of our life, here's our life at the moment, here's our life. Mm. Um, which is always quite, um, can be tough to do that, to release that sort of, oh, look, we all have guards around ourselves, mm. but to be mm. that honest about it, this is how actually I'm really feeling at the moment, here it is. Mm. Um, and then go out live. Oh yeah, crazy things. But yeah, Nathan's. All, I mean, it does. It really does come back to Nathan's management ideas and direction. And like, we're gonna do this, and we're like, wow. Okay, let's go and do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know it's like the coach saying, we're gonna, "I want you to get out there." Mm, go mm. On, you know, and we do it. Yeah. Um, it's been yeah. This yeah. But and then on this tour, we're getting to go to Brisbane and play this big festival. Yeah. And we're playing this, like, Tivoli, this beautiful 1928 theatre. So once again, it changes again for us yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And we're playing the Gershwin, Gershwin Room in Melbourne, which is just incredible. We're getting to do that. Um, to, yeah, it's, it's always, always something to look forward to on tour when you're yeah. a member of this band. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's just this, this nice whatever it is. 
Yeah, yeah. So the 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 um, new album that's coming arrives on the back of a whole lot of stuff for you personally and for the band because you actually do a farewell tour after the third album. Yeah. Should we go there? Yeah, we first? can. Is I mean, that, it's what, easy to talk, yeah. about, talk about now. So the band breaks up. You, annou- you announce a farewell tour. Yeah. Um, it was just... But even Nathan, he's such the um, strategist. We'll just call it... <laughs> what's the word? Oh, I can't remember. What, uh, permanent break. Um, hiatus. Hiatus, hiatus yep. yeah. It's just like... I, I, you know, at the time I was going, no, we all hate each other. <laughs> how can you call it that? Yeah. So how had you got to that? Oh, uh, I think... Um, a- apart touring in Australia, um, you know, wild weekends away mm. and also, like, flying together with each other when you're mm. grumpy and hungover. It's not the right um, recipe for um, a good functioning relationship. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of that can happen. People don't know, do they, unless they're in it, what it's like to be in a band. The, yeah. The, several people will, will tell the story of it being yeah. like a marriage or a family and That's stuff, the, yeah. and, it's, and it's true, and it's... The arguing and fighting that can erupt at the airport because people are you know, hungover or coming down, mm. whatever, mm. creates tension. And I think people get bored of it. It's easier not to have that in your life. Mm. Um, it's great when you're on stage and, and in that moment, but you know when you're, you, yeah. I think well, is it the very epitome of highs and lows? Yeah, isn't yeah. It? I, you are seeing, seeing, and being around each other at your very best and then and very, very worst. worst. So and I, and yeah. it become no one wants to be in a band with boring people where it's just yeah. boring and in the middle. No, it was, and it was never boring. Yeah, it was always fun, too much fun. Because mm. um, we are totally self-run. No. There was no one in charge of us. We were in charge mm. of ourselves, and that mm. got a, it got a bit out of control. So there was time to end, and it was looking back now. Thank God it did. Thank, brilliant. Um, I think I was in mourning for it. For definitely, you know, for a while there after it ended, because you lose your identity. Mm. Like, who are you? And what the hell just happened? What have I just done? You know, just all these things of crazy moments. But, um, you, uh, you particularly, perhaps, because you have a style of. I mean, you're you have a style of performance where you are seeking out. I want to say actually quite intimate communication with fans in a way, in and of that moment. I try to talk to them about the human condition. Yeah. And that we're all feeling the same, because. There's no one who's got it worked out. Mm-hmm. And that's, I suppose that's me trying to reach out to some, mm. but mixed up with some sort of Catholicism that I grew up with in the church and, mm. you know, um, good and bad, you know, just, you know, the devil and, and Jesus and all those flashing images in your head of mm. what is right, what is wrong. Um, Pete Murphy is our man. Pete Murphy, thank house. God. <laughs> By the way. I knew it was Pete, because Pete Kemp was the manager. Yeah. And Pete Murphy, yeah. Um, but yeah, all those images. Yeah. Um, it made these schools, it made the performance, it made me question and ask and you know, to celebrate life's glories and to, you know, to regret the failings of us all. 
but, but I've seen, yeah, but I've seen it isn't even so much about what you're saying as the way you're saying it because I've seen you have moments with fans, particularly on stage, that I guess are comparable to people like Nick Cave and Jarvis Cocker and Brian Ferry, those and, and Pete Murphy, those those performers who really pull an individual audience member in for a moment. I, well, I think that's what music should be. Yeah, growing up. That was a normal thing. That's what mm. I saw people do. Mm. So, of course... Oh, yeah, I can see it's born from your listening and watching yeah. experience. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. another person you mentioned but who was a really big influence was seeing Tex Perkins. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Best of Bourbon, um, 1989 in Auckland. Yeah. Incredible performer. I mean, I lived in Sydney. I moved to Sydney in 89 and he was in... Um, and he's at the height of his powers there. Well, yeah, he was even just before Cruel yeah. C exploded yeah. again. But I did see Cruel C in a small club in Sydney before they were huge. Um, but yeah, performers were like that. Artists were like that. It, um, I don't know when it changed. Mm. Um, but yes, I suppose I'm just I'm following something I saw as a, as a young man, mm. and just went. I just continued. Mm. Most people give up if mm. they've got any brains, you know. But I just kept on going and going <laughs> and going. Yeah. Um, but I imagine you had. The offstage version of that too. Of oh, people yeah, that, being course, very wrapped that up all, and people being very wrapped up. You're well, talking I found about it very hard because the thing yeah. is, and it, so it's very easy to. Because um, you're talking about mourning the identity of, yeah. of who you are, yeah. No? Um, it's very easy to to go over that character, mm. and it can lead you astray. And so some of the craziest, darkest places, um, with some of the craziest, darkest people you've ever met. Um, that character doesn't end on stage, it goes into the early hours of the morning, into the next day and the day mm, after that, mm. and that's when you get into trouble. Um, because it's almost like you've opened, you've opened the spirit world, <laughs> yeah. and you're letting, you're letting forces in now that you have no control. It's not you, it's the vampire version of you. <laughs> yeah. I've done a lot of, I did a lot of um, acupuncture after Beast Wars ended to try and sort that all out. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, you have to be very careful. Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah, da- it's dangerous. Being in a band is dangerous. So, so mental health and your physical. Yeah, body. yeah, yeah. So you do the farewell tour, you wrap things up, um, and how are you guys with each other as a as a non-entity, as a non-working band? Is it is it radio silence or? Yeah, it was radio silence. Yeah, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Nathan had moved to England. Yeah. Um, Actually, the person who mourned it the most was James Woods. He just mourned the band. He's going, oh, I wish you had the band back. And I said, well, you had your chance. Well, he was all there. Mm. Like, I don't know him well, but I joke. know from seeing yeah. him around town, I can almost have, I almost sort of projected that onto him. I could see. Yeah, he just loved it. Yeah. He loved it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't want to be a part of it. It was just too, yeah, there's too many ghosts. Mm. It's like you bring them back. You bring that spirits to your house, and it's just weird. Um, but yeah, and it was, it was like that for a long time until I got sick. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, do you want to talk through how, when you say till you got sick, what what happens in your life, and 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 ha- how you find out, and then? Okay. Um. Well, I was working in Salander shipping. Uh, also, I was also doing a paper at university. But I kept on getting sick. 
I suddenly um, if I got a cold, I was in bed for three weeks. This has never happened to me before. Um, and I started getting pains, um, abdominal, lower abdominal, um, and started ended up in hospital a lot, like A and E, like. Yeah, I wasn't like I was getting sick how I used to get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things were just escalating. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It got to the point at one stage, um, like I'd be standing and doing cooking, doing a shift, and I'd just have shooting pains all from my body. But you have to keep on cooking because you know it's your mm. job. Mm. Um, and then at the night time, I couldn't sleep because the pain would just continue, and I'd like try and move to folk you know, and sort of meditate to like, okay, this is going to go away, and I'll focus on something positive. But it got to the point where um, I sort of just refused to leave A&E because they offered me some morphine. And I said, hey, that, I just don't think this is going to cut it. I need to find out what's happening. Um, and I think for the first two days, because they couldn't work it out what it was, they sort of start treating you like you've made it up or something. Mm. But then I had an ultrasound, and that's when they found all the, uh, the tumours on my pancreas. And then it started... Then suddenly you're in the system, they know what it is, and you're off. But, um, but yeah, that, that's how I got sick and, and how they found it. Um, so when do they give you an actual diagnosis? Oh, what happens, that? once they, found, when they yeah. find it, yeah. this is, yeah, the, for me, and a lot of this album maybe deals about those questions, mm. is, the, um, is the time of discovery, so mm. okay, you know you've got cancer, but, um, but there's a while, maybe two or three weeks, till they work out the treatment. Because there's so many people going through that yes. um, ecology department. Yeah. It's a time. And uh, in that time I lost a lot of weight. I was on a lot of painkillers. Um, and they may be depressed. They may have suppressed the pain, but you mm. had a lot of psychological, like, you're down. Mm. Um, and I used to wake at night time. It was pitch black. And I used to think, um, is this death? Your consciousness is here, but my body is gone. And it's just that terrified me some, for some reason. So a lot of the albums kind of about those three weeks and what I felt and what I begged for, what I, mm. what, you know, what you, what you want to change, what you regret and all that stuff. But once you find your treatment, um, then the next stage begins. They say, okay, you've got a good chance, great chance, um, but you just got to have to go and do this chemotherapy. And um, my mother had done it like 20 years earlier. No, sorry, 18 years earlier and mm. had died mm. on her second chemo. She cancer got everything, it didn't work. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to following the same path as my mother because my mother mm. died at 49. Mm. Yeah, so then I was 46 being diagnosed and so I had to go and do it. So there was all these like, oh my God, I'm just, just my, things are repeating. But then you start the, the treatment and it's just, you know, it's just a brutal regime of them putting these chemicals in there, mm. um, trying to kill the cancer and you're getting better again and then having to go back and do it again. So it's like a sick, every three, every 21 days you go in. Mm. Um, it was just, um, yeah, I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I just did not, it was just horrible. I think I've blacked a lot of it out. I think people do. Um, and are you thinking about, because to kill the can, you know, as you started to sort of say there, to kill the cancer, they are, there's no way around it but to sort of, Re- remove and kill parts of a human, yeah. right? That the, 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 yeah, this this it just it sort of take you to this place yeah. of being so ill. I mean, also you have to be very wary of anyone visiting you 
if they may have a cold because your mm. immune system's mm. gone. You're actually kind of like an AIDS patient. Mm. Um, I had to get really strict in the way I cleaned the house, um, like because these um, toxic chemicals you they pass through your body and then you leave. Them. You know, it's just it's just everything had changed. Um, at first, I didn't get my diet right to begin with. I was making all these juices. And my God, I just wasted thinking about it. I wasn't getting what I needed. And I think I stopped. I then started eating the raw fruit itself. Started feeling a lot better on that. Um, it was just, um, it was difficult because um, my sister and my dad were there. And my ex-wife, Maddie, was there. Um, like they'd be there for, um, on the day of um, like chemotherapy. Yeah. But everyone has busy lives. And yeah. we live in a society now where people have to, are working a lot to pay to live. Yeah. Life is inexpensive. Um, and my daughter would be able to come and visit me depending if she didn't have a cold or... Um, but she was 10. And it was quite tough for her yeah. to come and spend maybe three hours with me um, where I'm lying in bed being, you know, sick as. But I just wanted her to be in the TV room with a TV on for some reason. Her watching TV and that noise... And then knowing her, that she was there yes, yeah. was the most comforting thing in the world. It was just like family, you know, and it's what you crave for when you're by yourself. Um, like my sister making me a cup of tea, incredible. I thought that was the most amazing, generous gesture anyone had ever done. It was everything so big um, because then the rest of the time I'm by myself for a long time. Um, and there was the, the battle of how do you even get out of bed? How do I even hold it? My fry pan. It's too heavy. Um, and they weren't, you know, they're not heavy now, but at the time, my God, I was so weak. Um, so sick. Um, so there was all those battles. Um, yeah. And I lived down, I lived down this hill in this like, great like 1960s um, apartment, just two of them, surrounded by bush. I mean, I had a beautiful view, but it was just a very solitude time. And uh, yeah, and then um, that's when the, the band thing started again because James and Clayton started coming over on Sundays. And just to see you. Just yeah, to, just I mean, just to hang out. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, James had bought a keyboard um, and he was quite excited about it and it was quite fun just watching his just raw excitement about this instrument oh this is great it's like your mates turned up with a brand new toy it was just you know it was just it was fantastic um, and then I think because I didn't I think I, and I had text Nathan saying hey I'm in hospital don't know what's going was don't know what's going on um and we had, a, we had a few, you know, text communications. Mm. Um, but I think it was, yeah, sort of into the chemo of it. He might have started sending a couple of songs. And when James sorted me out a recording thing at home that I could record into the computer, we went and bought one of those, um, those other units that you add to your, <laughs> your computer. Um, yeah, and that sort of started the process. But yeah, I had a lot of time to think about life and what had happened. And that sort of here yeah, just really felt like you're out in the desert, out there in the sea, just stuck. Yeah. At what point do you um, 
decide as a band we're actually going to make an album like we're actually going to what happened is that like I was um, when we did the t-shirt thing yeah. the fans sort of we sold t-shirts to help me yeah. to support myself um, so in New Zealand you're entitled to the um, sickness benefit but unfortunately because rents are so high now that is the sickness that's your rent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, we thought we'd sell a couple of t-shirts just to help me along the line but it exploded yeah and um, I was like oh my god and I just felt like, well, we can make an album. And we have to make an album. We have to give back to these people who have helped me. I have to do this. You know, two things. Something to really look forward to. But also, it's like I owed them. I owed yeah. them big yeah. time. Now, and anyone listening to this or knowing your story already could, you know, could your band story, could guess that you have a hugely supportive, passionate fan base, but how blown away... It was huge. I mean, yeah. it, it was. I was just so big, and actually, it's a picture of that day because something happened also at the same time. I had felt it had been deteriorating, 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 and that day we did the t-shirts. It exploded, and my ex partner Maddie took a picture of me, and there's this massive aura sitting all around my head. Wow! And yeah. it's almost like all those people had directed something mm. at me. It was, mm-hmm. and that was a huge turning point in what happened after that. Suddenly the cancer started disappearing. It was just, yeah, there was a lot happening. Um, it was a huge day. And it also it gave me like, okay, I don't have to worry about selling everything. Mm. I can buy food now and concentrate on just trying to better. And, if you, it's, and you spend a lot of money on food. And also mm. generosity of friends who would give you, you know, bring you meals and... Um, yeah, it was just my friends in Auckland who gave me um, just like a New World food vouchers, things like that, that were just so humongous and helped the journey. Um, just, um, yeah, it was just food was so important. I mean, lots of it, good food to get you through. You're using language like um, talking about just knowing that your daughter was in the next room was a comfort, your sister making you a cup of tea, people visiting and bringing food, people just saying hello, the generosity of fans, and you said you, you look forward to every day now. These are things we should all be <laughs> be th- thinking Can't anyway. I, I'll just, I'm just struck by how, how, how profound and beautiful your, um, I guess, epiphany around this is, but how tragic it is that it takes not yeah. That situation for anyone to really notice that about you know you, we might and some of us might want to think that in the back of our mind on some level, but it's very easy to get caught up in other things, right? When you know. and I think that's the thing. I think life is so you do get caught up and you do forget. It's only when you start when some it's like a force. The universe says to you, "You've only got limited days left mm. now. Mm. Choose wise." Because yeah. Yeah, we're in, we're are, in control of this, not the you. The days are ending. Yeah, yeah. That feeling of the days are ending, um, everything kicks in. Just, you know, just seeing the sunset or seeing the sun rise, how it affects you. Um, mm. yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think as a human being, I was, with, yeah, I did change for that time and I, I do appreciate stuff more now. And it, I, 
I live a much quieter life than I've ever lived in my life. Like I've just been swimming this morning, it's something I try and do every day. Mm. Um, you packed a fair bit in. Yeah, I, I just well, <laughs> earlier though, right? But I, but I just have to try and stick to these rules, mm. which is good food, um, very limited alcohol. Like only mm-hmm. if I go to shows, um, just yeah, swim. Yeah, it, I more respect of the universe telling you how many days you got left. Mm. Slow down. Yeah. Um, take it easy. And, and I think you do You do take for granted until it's taken away, and then you think, fuck, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, and I suppose the way I lived my life, that's why I ended up by myself at that time, because I had lived my life of disregard and trauma and struggle and self-inflicted or whatever. Um, self-sabotaging to take, self-sabotaging, to take you to very distract self, to very take self-destructive you away. personality yeah. to, and sometimes just to get the song to me was to get the song because mm. um, you have to live to sing about living um, and that's something I thought about I, did, I really did sabotage myself at nearly every stage mm. I'm learning not to do it anymore just and learning to be at one with myself like it's okay to be by yourself. I mean, you know, you have to. You're born alone. You're gonna die alone. It's like, how do you get a good death? Prepare. You know. So. It's yeah. It's changed me. You're not out of the woods entirely, but when do you, as as in a way, no one is that has. Um, gone through cancer at least in the you know the first I, wee I, while after yeah um, for me I, they can't cure it but they can yeah. treat it yeah they call it the lucky cancer so when yeah. it does come back to a stage that they're worried about I'd have to do chemo again or yes. radiotherapy um, but it can be caught and managed yeah and, and, and some people live 20 years mm. I, mean, I, I mean obviously anyone who's been sick googles it um, 10 years is the average mm. which I think is quite Fitting that in the song Storms to Mars, I'm asking for 10 years because mm. um, that's what Wikipedia says. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I just, I just have to um, really slow down. I can't. I have to approach life in a completely different way. I, ha- I have. Um, and in terms of your your art and output and the band's art and output, you know what a what a amazing statement around the whole suffering for your art and the, 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 the sort of principle that you've been driven by you've created your, you know and I'm, I'm not saying this to you because I'm trying to set this up but you've created your best album and I think Beast Wars always went into the studio and created their best album but certainly this time it was a different mm. the urgency well it feels different from, yeah. from when you yeah. I want to say drop the needle but actually yeah. in this case it's yeah. people can get it on cassette tape but from, <laughs> when, from when you first click which is how most people will hear it yeah. it feels different straight away um, but familiar it was definitely uh, the loneliness of, of the treatment and the urgency of it's almost like your life's work came at that moment everything you'd worked towards without even realising had brought you to that moment mm-hmm. And here it was. This is something you dreamt of. Here it is. Take it. Um, and so we just went, went ahead. Um, 
I know already, I mean, I've done a few interviews about this album already, and it's incredible the amount of people who talk to me about either them having cancer, or their mum, or their dad, or their mm. brother, or their sister, and that's been a wonderful thing from this record, is that it's just, we're all connected. Yeah. It's, cancer's a very common thing, guys. Most families in New Zealand or around the world, yeah. we all know that story, and um, yeah, and I'm sure the, the feelings of urgency and loneliness and sadness are, are universal when you're sick. So I, I think that record, I, I, the music, it can transcend, mm. and that's what it felt like when I was doing it. When you were talking about the the care that's involved around managing other people's health colds and just and you know isolating such a, you know my my job at the moment which I'm about to wrap up soon but I've been looking after a, a a baby that's had leukemia and so I've only just become aware of all this stuff now he's you know he's fine mm. and I've been part of the process of um, getting him to the next stage where yeah. he can go into but you know I wouldn't I've only just learned all of that stuff myself around my health and anyone that you know if I take him to a play group it has to be sort of yeah yeah no, that's, and it's, around managing and you, you have to manage it and you have to respect we it. sort of know it on some level but when you're confronted with it because it can fast end up in like a IV antibiotic situation mm. A&E if mm. you don't do it properly mm. um, no you have to really respect it Mm. Um, I think it goes back to us just taking it for granted, our health. You take it for granted totally. until someone starts taking parts of it away. Um, and then you suddenly go, oh, my God, I never appreciated it. You know, And maybe that's also getting old to youth. Mm-mm. You know, you're invincible when you're young. As you grow older, the world is it's smaller and bigger in different ways. Mm. Things keep on changing. No, it's just, yeah, I mean, for me, it's actually oncology going in, because I was just below the average age of my disease. I was 44, sorry, 46. A lot of people in their 60s, but the thing that really made me sad were the young. You mm. see teenagers going there. Mm. Maybe, like, when I say teenagers, 19, 20. Um, and sometimes I'd see the mums with breast cancer who would be in tow with their three children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, it was, that was just so haunting, because it's like, well, my mum... Yeah. Because you could sort of guess who was getting better and who was not. Um, and it was like a train station there. Mm. So many people were sick. Um, yeah. yeah, this kid I'm looking after when I went and visited him in Starship, obviously my concern was for his parents. Yeah. Because he was so such a baby. Yeah. But seeing the children of whatever age from, th- you know, where, the, where, where children are aware... See, he's a baby, he's not actually aware that yeah. his life is no, different tough. to other babies, but when they're three to yeah. 15 to whatever, it's heartbreaking. But also, looking after this kid, he has a light about him. Yeah. Like, on some level, he I reckon he knows he's lucky to be here. I'd, I mean, one thing, I mean, it's weird. There was also um, a black comedy to being sick, that sometimes mm. you could share the most wonderful joke with someone. And actually, actually we were recording... Not to take away. But yeah, there was the comedy of, of a song. This next song's not about cancer. And we would like, you know, because it was, you know, and, but yeah, I think some people use comedy to get through tough times. Yeah. And I see that in the patients and I saw it in the nurses too. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, the very best comedy has a humility to it. Yeah. Just 
we're just trying to get no matter how brutal we're just all trying to get through yeah and we all do know that like, those rooms that some of us aren't going to make it this is this is the last you know concert mm. or hurrah um so, so thankful to get out of that place yeah you know? yeah um some people don't make it out yeah because they got found too late or they were too young or they were too old or they just went you know their bodies went come do the treatment when you are either doing the treatment or even now does it make you has it made you question your you know whether you went too hard too early in life your, your oh, behaviour at the time it was just no I've, I've looked back a lot of my life I think yeah I don't know it's just crazy to have chosen it would have been so much easier to choose an easier life but but we don't if you don't choose this life was the argument I've had for myself. You don't yeah. leave. You don't leave anything behind. You don't see the storm when you're in the centre of it, yeah. or whatever, as well. Do, yeah. do you? So no, it's, it's just, only when there's time to look back, you start to yeah. go. It just maybe I could have done something else at the yeah. time. It's full throttle. It, because, it, was, it was was full throttle. But it's full throttle with even if you don't know the goal, you know yeah. there is a goal. If yeah. that, or something like that, you know, just, you, just keep going. But no, I, I think when I was sick and I thought, oh yeah, okay, so I end up by myself in this house, surrounded by records, but nothing else. Okay, maybe this was a journey, but okay, this will leave me here. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was there was, so, there was so many times to question everything. That's why the, the album had to be made. Another part it had to justify the whole journey. It's like, what the? F- how did we get here? You know? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You make the record in in whatever time, probably similar to how you make other records. And you spend a few weeks, but putting the record together. But you shelve it. Uh, well, yeah, because I think we needed time to like. We didn't know if we'd done anything good. Yeah. Because um, you record this last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, we just, yeah, you just don't know if you've done anything. I mean, it just took time. And also for me, I was kind of like, I was willing to do it, but then I was, didn't, didn't want to do it. And what, it was just too close to what had just happened. When it, when it had just, I, mm. I was, yeah, well, the chemicals are still free. I mean, it was just now, like, was it 18 months afterwards we were about to release it? I've had distance, I've had time. Yeah. Um, was part of that also working out or deciding do we just release an album? Do we play shows again? All those things. All of that, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and all that stuff. There were so many um, questions like going to Australia on tour, how do we do it right and not come back? And we used to come back. And we did it. We went there. And um, I think actually we, we've driven to Melbourne and we're in this hotel. And there's Dave Dobbin. Mm. And James says, oh, "I see it. it's a good sign. Look, it's Dave." <laughs> and we pile out of the van, and it's Dave Dobbin. I'm like, "What the bloody hell?" <laughs> so we hug him, and um, he just done a sold-out show at the same place that we were playing that night. Mm. And then mm. it turned out to be an incredible show. Also that night, sold out. Um, mm. But yeah, no, we went to Australia, and we were very, we had a plan, we stuck to it, and came home, and it was good. So then, okay, maybe we can do some more. Mm. And um, just yeah, and that's where we're at. Um, and we have a record to tour, which you know these are ex- you have to remember. It's exciting stuff. So sometimes I have to remind myself 
like we were doing a video the other day and I'm going, Shh. I said to Clayton, I said, God, when I was young, this is all I wanted. And now mm. I've got it. I just want to go home. You know, I just fucking just think of nothing worse. Yeah. And But I was just trying to tell myself to kick my... Dude, you wanted this. Mm. Appreciate it. And don't take it for granted. Because mm. it can end at any time. Um, yeah. But it did take time. I... It took time to to maybe go back and think because I did this. Okay, I'm moving on now. Black it out. Move on. You have to like, mm, mm. to keep on going. And and since this album was recorded, um, and in that process of recording it, are there already you know is there a plan for a fifth album? Are there already skeletons of songs or ghosts of songs? Or there's people already writing, and I know for that because yeah. I've seen I've seen a demo arrive already in the. Because has there been much of a discussion around There's not that, so much discussion. You know? I'm like, <laughs> um, can we just, why does, why does the world always have to be, Four what are we doing next? next? What yeah, are we doing yeah, next? Yeah, why can yeah. we just like, like, well, this is it, here, isn't it? Here's it's the moment. Here it is. Enjoy this. We'll think about that later. Um, but yeah. um, I think it created um, an element of, um, this has inspired members of the bands, because I've seen it. People are buying a lot more equipment. They are um, running songs. Mm. Um, it's definitely like, I don't know, are we up to the third life, fourth life of this band? You know what I mean? It just feels, once again, it kicks off again, this creative. Mm. Um, especially because, you know, Clayton and Nathan, I mean, I, I think we've, I don't think there's many bands, and with goes back to Strategic Fits actually, because they had two songwriters. Beast Wars has two songwriters, mm, mm. and they're both totally different. And that dynamic of, um, like on this new album, um, Nathan has, he's written the majority of his songs, um, Clayton's generally they're half and half mm, mm. so I think if we did do another record I'm sure um, Clayton would be trying to raise the amount of songs right. he gets on the yeah, album you know yeah, what I mean yeah, so yeah. I love it when not yeah. saying they're competitive but I do love they take on each other yeah and they both present totally different pieces of work which is we're very lucky fantastic um, but yeah no there's definitely um, I don't know if there'd be another record but he's definitely it's erupted some sort of creative... There's life in the band. Yeah, there's something happening. I would, well, I was struck by how, I don't know if this is a, 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 a naive or a simplistic take, but I was thinking when I knew you were coming around to talk how, um, you know, you've been given a second shot, personally, is, 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 is the very simple way to put it. Yeah. Given, given how you would feel when you're given that diagnosis and working through the treatment, you've been, as you said, you, like lost, your mother, you yeah. lost your mother and so you could yeah. see yourself following that yeah. path. So you've been given a reprieve, you've been given a, a, a second shot, and in a way it's nicely mirrored by the band being given a second shot because the band had officially... Yeah, and, totally, and also uh, we all had to learn how to be nicer to each other and more respectful. But it's not just a marketing trick. No, you no. Know, this, this it's where like, I'm, you know, it's like, like life. This yeah, life. This yeah. life. Sometimes life gets in the way and sometimes that's a bad thing or sometimes it's a great thing. Well, and, it's one and of the, this, And this time life got in the way and it was a great thing because it saves mm. that piece of work to, for it to continue. Well, it... it, it it saved you too because it oh, sounds like it sounds like um oh no it is actually it's i'm very thankful for the disease actually in a strange way because it's i'm um, learning to um that's why i try and swim as much as i can mm. trying to eat as good food as i can it's just trying to um to be still when once i was a storm 
I can't be that person anymore. And sometimes it comes out like, I went to the schizophrenics, it was exciting, we drank beer, storm comes. I can't be that person, I have to just put it away because mm. it, it takes the days away. Say so if I have a certain amount of days, mm. that it uses them faster. Yeah. And I've only got whatever. And mm. I think in that ways now, I think of the days. Um, I just walk slowly. What um, will it be like? What is it like singing some of the older material then? Does that provide a... I, I enjoy it actually because it's easier. The older stuff is easy to sing. Yeah. My but does it trigger memories oh, of where you were at? Oh no, I, I sort of, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But also, like, the songs always keep on evolving with everyone's yes. home life and we choose new meanings for them. Mm. A song, what a song means to you at 18, mostly it's going to mean something totally different at 47. Mm -hmm. But you still love a song, but life's gone in the way. Um, so in a way, it's, those songs represent different, sometimes I think, oh, you're writing about the future, but you didn't know it. There's these feelings that would come later. Um, the new album stuff to sing is quite hard. It's um, I don't, I, I diff different tone or something, or I sang differently, or it's just hard to. But I've lost um, my lungs aren't as good as they once were. Mm. Like, um, yeah, you've lost power. Oh yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's just, it's just even me swimming's lost it. Um, sort of pre-training for the tour. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I just I just don't have the physical. Um, once had it's gone that's gone so I, I have to somehow work out how to still do it but sort of conserve energy for, and sort of, I suppose like learning how to be a marathon running how do you conserve energy for when you finally need it at that moment mm. so that's what I'm trying to learn like, yeah everything's changed but the old songs remind me of a time when I could just knock it out it was great but mm. that's gone that time's gone so it's all about um, yeah I feel like an old sports person. Basically, the body the body is battered. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's why I train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's an amazing album. It's really it's already started to get reviewed. I see some people are saying very nice things about it online and in various places. And I know you don't do it for that, but on some level, that must be reassuring. That's oh, fantastic. Um, because these, these things, I mean, I doubted, like, what have we done? Mm. For a long time, I'd listen back going, what have we made? And I was confused by it, and I used to ring up Nathan and go, is it good? Because I can't work it out. And I said, I said, I don't know if I'm too close to it, or I just can't, I've lost, you know, hearing or something, I just can't sort of that. He said, no, it's good. But these other people saying they've enjoyed it, um, it's been great. And also, with people talking to me about their sort of illnesses, um, mm. So yeah, it just starts that conversation of of um, how we care for each other, I suppose. And deep down, human beings care for each other. That's what kept. That's this. That's this. The, the repeating story I keep on hearing from people is that we love each other, um, but we're surrounded in a sort of corporate war, you know, for a, mm. a dollar in our souls. Mm. But but basically, humanity loves each other. And that's what I keep on hearing. So yeah, it's great that a heavy metal record can create a reaction to people and talk about that stuff. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, I'm very thankful we got to make it. But it wouldn't be made without the fans, because that was the that was the moment. That was the day. It was like the service. Mm. You know, we owe them now. 
Well, that's always been the relationship with Beast Wars and its fans, though, hasn't it? Like, yeah. there's there is a, it is a you know there is a, is a constant conversation. It's a, totally. It's like know, the band is there for its fans and because of its fans. Well, totally. I mean, that's allowed us to do so much. I mean, Obey the Riff will be happening again next year. Yeah. Um, and that's because people. It's like it's. it's I can't work without each other, but combined, it creates all these other things. Um, mm. Always wanted to have something special that was here for us. You know, living on this isolated island at the end of the world, something we can say, oh, that's great, it's cool. And I think but Beast Wars kind of created that world that I'm really proud to say to, be, to have been a part of. It's brought joy to people, great nights out. People like their beer, you see, you know, just that's always been a part of, you know, it's mm. always that. Mm. Um, I've always wanted it to be a great evening out for us just to forget everything else, enjoy that moment. But yeah, and I've been very lucky. And the world's evolved as time's gone on, it's just changed, mm. like, like any world as it changes. But yeah, without the fans, it never would have happened. Just, yeah. Just the support. Very thankful. Well, I'm um, I'm glad you made it, both personally and oh, yeah. and the record. That's you know, good. like I'm I'm really important for me to be alive to see my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Grow up. Yeah. She was too, ten. I thought ten was too young. Yes. For me to go, I just thought that'd be too upsetting. I imagine that must have been a big source of the the type of grief you were going through. I, I, I was just felt entirely like how, yeah, this is not called 10, it's too young. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful to have um, shit. When I was hanging out with Nina yesterday, we were having lots of laughs and it was just great. This week I've been, I, I took her to a film video thing, she got to use the smoke machine. She goes to recording studios with us. You know, mm. it's just all these cool things of mm. um, daughter, you know, dad stuff. But oh, here's my world. And she's at the age where she's appreciating it. I don't think if it was my time. She, Has she talked through much of it with you? No, we talk, don't. Really talk. You just no. I, no I, yeah. I don't, it's, she she doesn't want. That's to talk for about another time. If, yeah, if I think my hope ten years. But no, we don't. Yeah. No, it, honestly, it wasn't that. It wasn't cool. Yeah. Because it was just you know I had no hair. I like yeah. Parts of it look like you know it's got no flesh on my face and it's, you know you, you just look scary. You look like a little monster. Like, yeah. and then you know yeah. It was tough for her because you know, but that's why we said it's a setup. But like we watch TV out here, and yes. I'll yeah. hang out here. Um, yeah. She just, I, I think she didn't realise how much I just needed her to be in the house. Yeah. Um, just her presence was healing enough. Yeah. It was huge. Just knowing. So I'm yeah. Yeah, very thankful to have um, even these extra eighteen months since I stopped to, and however long I get given. It's fantastic to um, watch my daughter's journey for her life and to yeah. be a part of it. Yeah. And that's what would have made me very sad. Would have been too early to go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But yeah. Happy to be alive. Yeah.